Are you tired of spending hundreds of dollars to represent your favorite player in your favorite sport? Are you looking for a cheaper alternative while still getting a good quality product? Our friends at Customized Sports are here to help. With a wide selection of jersey kits available for purchase, they have the kit that fits your needs. Looking to make that Red Blacks jersey you have an Arbuckle jersey? Well, now you can. Simply visit CustomizeSports.com to find what you need. Thank you, Customized Sports, for sponsoring us. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey guys, it's Shane. Welcome back to another episode of Sensory and Overtaking. I hope you guys are all staying safe, staying distant, and practicing social distancing. On today's episode, we have Dylan Kayser, who is one of the co-hosts for the Stick Hungry podcast covering the San Jose Sharks. So we'll get to him shortly. A little bit of Senators news in the last week or so. Uh, Johnny T- Jonathan or Johnny Tichonic, uh, pros- Senators prospect who was at University of North Dakota, is transferring to Omaha University uh, just because that just because of playing time and he feels like it's better for his development. That's uh, one of the big things. Mandalozzi signed as well as Pinto has confirmed officially that he's heading back to North Dakota. There are reports coming out that the cap has stayed or will be staying at 81.5 million and if those reports are true it will help keep or help uh, quicken the the signings of guys like Connor Brown and Anthony, Anthony Duclair because they know what to expect and it kind of helps teams be like, okay, this is how much money we have. We can start negotiating with our RFAs and UFAs. St. Louis signed two players, so hopefully Ottawa could get Duclair, Connor Brown, Tierney signed within the next couple of months, month or so. So we should be seeing news hopefully on that end. Maybe a couple of more signings really de- depends. Obviously, our two big names, Ed Pinto and Bernard Docker, are obviously going back to North Dakota, so those guys are out. But overall, it's been a relatively quiet week. Uh, Jace Howard Luck came out and said that he was one of the senators who was diagnosed with the uh, COVID-19 virus, and he, he has recovered fully so that's really good to hear wishing him the best but outside of that there's not a lot of uh a lot of news going on obviously whenever the whenever news breaks we'll talk about it but there really hasn't been much so we'll take a little 15 30 second break and when we come back we'll be into the interview with uh, dylan
Hey guys, welcome back. We have Dylan Kayser on the line. He is the host of the Stick Hungry podcast covering the San Jose Sharks. How are you doing today, Dylan? Oh man, it's a pleasure to be on with you, Shane. Uh, even though you have our first round pick, I don't mind coming on your show anytime. Well, that's glad. I got to hear that. I mean, I remember <laughs> my first interview on the network was before the first game the first matchup of the Sharks and the Sens this year. and How we things joking. have changed quickly, eh? It's not how I expected to go after that interview. No. I mean, I did say Ottawa was going to win, and lo and behold, Ottawa won. Yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll have to give you that one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a rough time here for the Sharks. Maybe, maybe the stopping of the season has been the best thing for us so far. Yeah, start, uh, stop the bleeding a little bit too late, but... <laughs> yeah exactly so Ottawa was in a similar situation kind of worse off in terms of like the way media painted it with having Colorado having our first overall pick you gave us your first overall pick plus Norris thank you for that for Carlson so what's it been like covering this team with how bad they've been knowing that you've traded you know a good, a pretty penny for Carlson and then having it kind of looks like blowing up in your face. Well, it's been rough. Uh, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I mean, we've had such a good team for so many years and you know, the one year where we missed the playoffs and we're honestly, we're down at the bottom of the uh, Western conference. The one year that that happens, we don't have our first round pick and, and that's quite the blow. I feel like all year we've been waiting for a turnaround from this team, but it's just, it's just never happened, honestly. And yeah, like, like you said, you guys having our first round pick that just adds salt to the wound. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of blame on Martin Jones and, you know, I haven't watched as many San Jose games, obviously being in Ontario, they're not, you know, widely available, but the games I've seen, he may have been an issue, but he wasn't necessarily the number one problem. Is that just kind of using him as a scapegoat, or is it? Is there a bigger picture that, as someone who doesn't get to see him very often, is missing? Uh, well, you know, obviously defense comes into play, and, you know, so far this year, uh, you know, the Sharks haven't had the best defense. Um, but it's tough. You know, I, I hate to blame it on the goaltending, but goaltending really has been an issue. And where it's been a big issue for the San Jose Sharks, especially early in the season, Martin Jones, he seems to let in weak goals late in the game in the last five minutes. And that's, that's really a killer. That kills your morale as a team overall, and it, and it just puts you behind the eight ball. Um, you know, just looking at his stats, a goals against average, right on three, save percentage, you know, under 90%. It, it hasn't looked too good. Aaron Dell stepped up. He's played pretty much half the games for uh, – for the Sharks so far, but he's not a starting goaltender. He's a backup. He shouldn't be playing 30, 40 games. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I, I think it's partly to do with the defense and the poor play we've had there uh, in front of Martin Jones, but Martin Jones definitely has not helped. I hope he can turn it around next season. I do think he's a good goaltender, but I, I just think he's been off all year. Do you think it's just the fact that San Jose left – Pavelski and a couple of other guys go to keep Carlson. Do you think that kind of ha like that had an effect on how the players reacted to the coach and 
how they're playing this year? Or do you think it's kind of irrelevant and it's just, you know, a down year that every team faces every once in a while? Well, I mean, you brought up Pavelski. I think losing him was huge, not only on the ice, you know, with his 30, 40 goals that he can bring to the table, but off the ice as well. You know, he was a leader in that locker room. He had the C before, and I think we're really missing him. And we expected younger guys to pick it up this year, and that just never happened. We were expecting them to kind of fill in the gaps, pitch in a little bit offensively, and kind of make up for that lost 30, 40 goals that Pavelski had. But like I said, it never happened. That's why we signed Patrick Marlowe at the start of the year was because the young guys weren't stepping it up. Now, obviously, signing an older Marlowe, he's not going to solve the issues either, right? So, I, I don't know. We've lost some key pieces, like you said. I mean, we just lost Brendan Dillon uh, via trade. The defense has taken quite the hit over the last couple of years, even though we did add Eric Carlson. Um, you know, he's more of an offensive contributor. You, you know after watching him for, for years in, in Ottawa – that his defensive game isn't necessarily top-notch, and, and we've really seen that so far, uh, you know, this year for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, that, he's definitely a liability defensively. I'm not going to lie. He's definitely one of those guys that you need to pair with a strong defensive player. But do you think bringing in – like keeping Thornton and Marlowe around – do you think it's hurting the team more than helping them being held on to these players who are obviously down a step just because of who they are and not actually what they bring to the team? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, it's, it's really tough as an organization, especially when you've had guys like that that have put in so many games, you've had so much success with them and, you know, turning the page it's never easy. And you've seen it in the past with other teams. I mean, a good example is the Vancouver Canucks with the, the Sedin twins, right? It was really hard for them to change the page. You have to do it eventually. And, uh, you know, you might hurt for a couple of years after, but I, I think it's crucial to moving this team forward. You know, I, I brought up the young guys earlier in the conversation. Now we don't have the best prospect pool, but you still need to give them ice time. You need to give them a chance. And if you have older guys like that, you know, filling up the roster, they won't get that chance and you won't, you won't get the chance to see what they really have to bring. You know, that being said, though, I mean, Joe Thornton, he can still contribute to the team. He's a good power play guy. He's good in the locker room. But I don't know. It's tough, man. At a certain time, you got to move on to a different group of guys. Because, like I said, he's been with the team for so long. And you mentioned before, he might be missing half a step now. And especially in this modern, modern game, you need speed. And that's one thing that this team's lacking. Yeah, I mean, I think any hockey fan would say that physicality isn't an issue for the Sharks on a night-to-night -night basis, but it is definitely for speed. Uh, when you're too fastest or two most offensive weapons are Burns and Carlson, that's not necessarily a, rec a recipe for success, but... Where do you think, because the Sharks got, somehow, got a first-round pick uh, from Tampa for uh, Goudreau. I don't know how they managed that. That was, I'll give, I'll give Doug Wilson credit on that. No, it was, it was a nice move for sure, absolutely. Where do you think this team goes? Is it, is it time to admit that it's uh, maybe not a full rebuild, more like a retool? Or do you expect them to just be like, hey, it wasn't, it just wasn't a, our year? 
go after maybe a couple of big names in free agency and push for a playoffs next season, whenever that is. You know, I really think they're going to try again next year. I don't think they're going to go into a full-on rebuild. I think it's too soon for that. And I think you can say, you know, this was an off year. We didn't get the goaltending that we wanted. Some of our top guys didn't contribute like we, ha- like we expected them to. Uh, but also at the end of the day, you look at our roster and you got to think to yourself, okay, we have some decent pieces here. We, we can maybe squeeze into the playoffs next year. But is that the point? I mean, look around, you know, look around the Western Conference. There's other great teams with really young players. Can we actually expect a Stanley Cup out of this core group of guys? And, I, and I'm not too sure, honestly. I think that eventually this team is going to have to look at a rebuild. And it's easy for us to say, you know, we're not in the management position. It's easy for us to say go into a rebuild. But I think now would be a great time. I mean, you still have valuable pieces. You still have guys in their prime. And if you move them, you can get great assets back and speed up this rebuild. Uh, but like I said at the start, I think Doug Wilson and the management group, I think they're going to try again next year. Like you said, maybe add a free agent, maybe you know, flip that first round pick that we got for Goudreau and try and get another player. I, I'm not too sure, but I think one thing that they definitely have to address is goaltending. Um, because going into next year, if you have the same goaltending, I think we're going to see a lot, of the, a lot of the same. We're going to be at the bottom of the conference once again. I mean, goaltender, goaltending does win championships. I think we've seen that with Pittsburgh and Washington, St. Louis over the last couple of years. Do you think that Hopi is in consideration if, if you want to upgrade the goaltending? I know he's a UFA. He may not want to stay in Washington if he feels like he's going to be a tandem goalie. Do you think San Jose would have the money or – the desire to go after a goalie who's going to be like 30 plus or would they rather trade for someone like Gorgiev for the, from the Rangers? Yeah. I mean, it would be a bold move. Um, especially because, you know, Holpies, he's not going to be looking for a two year contract, right? Whatever, whatever team signs him, they're going to have to dish out some term. And I don't know if the sharks are in a position to do that because, you know, you try again next year and let's say we're at the bottom of the conference once again, and the management group looks at it and they say, okay, let's actually go into a rebuild here. Now you're stuck with another long-term contract. And this team has a lot of them on the books. You know, Eric Carlson, we signed that huge deal. Brent Burns, you know, we got Evander Kane on, on a fairly high, high deal. So I don't know. It's a tough one. I, th- I personally think they should look at a younger goaltender, someone in their early 20s. You know, getting a prospect or, or drafting a goaltender really doesn't solve anything because – you know, whenever you draft a goaltender, you're four or five years away from seeing that guy hit the ice and most of the times, unless you have a guy like Carter Hart. But, you know, I don't expect that to happen. So, you know, to your point, I think maybe trading for a younger goaltender might be the best way. I, I honestly, if I was going to put money on it, I don't see Braden Holtby coming here. Um, if he did, I mean, wow. It, it would mean that a rebuild is no time soon, that we're really going to push uh, to try and make the playoffs in the next three, five years. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that, that's a tough one. That really, that really is a tough one. Do you th- Matt Murray, the goaltender that San Jose lost to in 2016, do you think that he's an RFA this year? Probably wouldn't take a lot to, to get him to sign. Compensation wouldn't be high. Do you think that's an option that they could go? Talk to Pittsburgh, maybe work out a trade that way. 
because I don't think Pittsburgh would have the ability to keep Murray with uh, Yari and DeSmith and the money just wouldn't add up. Yeah, I mean, for the Sharks, I mean, you just mentioned the money part. I mean, we have a lot of money tied up as well. We're pretty much against the cap. And, you know, if we got another goaltender, we'd have to somehow get rid of Martin Jones. And I just don't – I don't know how you do that because you're not going to get assets back for Martin Jones at this point. I don't think many teams are are clamoring to get his services. So you might have to retain some salary. You might have to give up some assets just to get rid of Martin Jones – so that just puts another speed bump in the way, right? I mean, I think I think they should explore every option to improve the goaltending, but it's it's not going to be easy. I think there's going to be some other moving parts uh, that are going to be involved if that, if that actually gets done. Yeah, there's a, a lot to be done this offseason for San Jose. It's a mess. Terms- it's an absolute mess. I don't know. I don't know how Doug Wilson's going to do it. Yeah, honestly, I don't know how either. I I mean, luckily for Ottawa, we have like 40 mil in cap space. If we didn't have a guy like Hogberg or even Nielsen, I would be okay taking Jones off of San Jose's hands for the year. I mean, obviously, there would have to be some sort of compensation to give us a little bit more reasoning to take that kind of contract. But I think a team who's in that situation, even like New Jersey could be a place to offload that contract. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And I mean, like Martin Jones, he's, he's not a terrible goalie. Like I said, I think he's just had an off year, but do I think he's an elite goalie? No. And and I mean, if, if, if the San Jose Sharks say retain, I don't know, let's say 30, 40% of his contract. I mean, that might be appealing to another team uh, to have a, you know, a bit more expensive backup, but a guy that you know can put in 30, 40 solid games for you. Um, but, you know, from, from your point of view, I mean, what would it take, uh, you know, to take on Martin Jones? Is it throwing a draft pick? Would it be like a third round draft pick? How, how do you see that happening? For Ottawa, it- Let's say we Nielsen's done for because he had a concussion. No guarantee he comes back. So let's say Ottawa does look into getting Martin Jones to help Hogberg. I think a second or a third with salary retention might be the way to go. I think if there is no salary retention, it's going to be like a second and a B-level prospect. Someone who's probably between 22 and 25 who – may not see a lo- who's most likely an AHL player, but someone who is an NHL depth player for Jones. It would have to be the less salary is retained, the higher the price. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And, you know, it, it, I don't know, the, the San Jose Sharks have such a job ahead of them because, you know, if you give up those, you know, let's, let's say a B-level prospect and a pick, I mean, this team doesn't have much of a pipeline. We're struggling to get good prospects in the system. So if you want to go into a retool, you need those young guys. But at the same time, if you want you know, more flexibility in getting another goaltender, you might have to give up one or two of those guys or one or two of those pieces, uh, which makes it even tougher. So you might even be looking at a roster player at that point uh, just to free up some space. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Doug Wilson is going to get rid of Martin Jones, he's going to have to be pretty creative about it. Yes, because Martin Jones 
you know, he has, he has term on him and that's the problem. Yeah. And he's not a cheap ticket either. Right. So, no, you know, 5.75. Yeah. It, so both those things combined, I mean, it, it doesn't make it easy. Like I said, as far as draft picks go and prospects, we're, we don't have a lot in the cupboard right now. And, you know, I feel like we're trying to add a bit more. We just signed two college prospects who look pretty decent. You know, we got that first round pick for Goudreau. It might signal a retool, but at the same time, I mean, in this modern NHL, I don't know if you can do a retool. I, I really don't. I mean, it's, you know, having a one, two year flip just doesn't really happen that often. And if it does, you have some solid pieces already in place, like a top line center, which I don't think this team really has. And I mean, being from Ottawa, you know, going through a full on rebuild might be the best way about it. I know you guys aren't close to making the playoffs right now, but at least you see some light at the end of the tunnel. You guys have a lot of really good prospects coming up. Yes. And to be fair, and I think this is something where fans in certain markets don't quite understand how beneficial or how smart Ottawa was when it came to this rebuild is that we already had prospects in the pipeline who were considered top and NHL talent or, you know, just good NHL talent. And then we started the rebuild because we already had Shabbat, Logan Brown, and Colin White. We added, uh, and then we just added to it. You know, Batherson and Formington took, turned the corner and went from unknowns who were on like the border AHL, NHL players to these could be legitimate NHL stars. And then we've just added to it. Unlike places like LA or even San Jose who have put in so much effort and time into building an NHL caliber team where their, their prospect pool has been hurt by, by it. Ottawa's had a good level of prospects in the system and creating a competitive team without hurting the pipeline too much. Yeah, I mean, you know, early, in those early years of the rebuild, too, for the uh, Ottawa Senators, you guys didn't dish out a lot of money to free agents either. And that just frees up a lot of space, you know, a couple of years down the road. I mean, in two, three years, you guys can go in the free agent market and maybe pick up a really solid center or, 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 a, def or a top defenseman. You'll have the freedom and money to do that because your young guys are still going to be on entry-level contracts. And that's kind of where it's biting us in the ass right now, you know, dishing, dishing out contracts like the one to Eric Carlson. I mean, that's – I mean, I'm not, not to say that Eric Carlson would be a tough guy to move because I still think a lot of teams would like his service. But that price tag, I don't know, it's tough for a lot of teams to d digest right now. Especially, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap either, right? I mean, going into next year – it's, it's not going to go up, you know, especially after this whole coronavirus thing. So yeah, it's not going to go up almost like 88 million or something like that it was supposed to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that would have helped out teams like us a lot. But, uh, you know, these are circumstances you really can't help. And, you know, when, when we signed Eric Carlson to that deal, we obviously didn't think we'd be in this position. But at the end of the day, we still signed it. We have him for, what, another seven, eight years I don't know. It's, it's going to make it tough for us moving forward as far as, you know, flexibility goes, signing free agents. Because if we want to make the playoffs, I mean, you look at this roster, we're going to have to add some decent players. And how do you do that? You, you, you either trade for them, and we don't necessarily have the assets 
uh, to move as far as, dra- as far as draft picks and prospects, or you do it through free agency, and we don't have the money to do that right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, San Jose, again, you've had so much success in the past where it could just be a one-off, but you're right. When, and I think Ottawa fans can relate, when we traded for Duchesne, we weren't expecting to finish bottom five in the league that year or the year after. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And that's the way the, the games played out. And San Jose was in the same boat where they weren't expecting to, to finish bottom five in the, in the season this year when they signed Carlson to that mega deal. And now they're sitting in a top five pick without their first overall. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me about that one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, especially for the Sharks. I mean, we've had so much success. We've made the playoffs. I mean, I, I can't count how many times in a row. And for a fan base like this, that's only really seen successful teams. It, it's tough to digest having a having a team in the bottom five, having a team that might have to go into, into a rebuild. And it's tough for the management group as well. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to handle it if we have to go through a full rebuild. I know Canadian teams are fine going through that. You're still going to get people showing up. But I think over in California, I think management group is thinking, you know, if we go through a full-on rebuild and we're a bottom five team for three, four years, we might be struggling financially. So let's let's try and just plug the holes and try and just make the playoffs. Um, which, you know, that's a tough spot to be in. And that's probably the worst spot to be in in sports is just trying to make the playoffs and never really expecting a Stanley Cup. Because at this point, looking at the team in the next five years, I'll be honest, I, I don't see that as a possibility. But then you turn into Toronto of the Western Conference where, or even Edmonton, where it's just like, oh, we'll patch fix it, we'll patch it up. And it just keeps getting worse until you ultimately have no choice but to to fix it because even though you have a bunch of big money contracts, you're still finishing in the bottom 10 every year because you don't have the overall players. So would it be beneficial to do a full rebuild in the long term? I think it would, especially since San Jose has their farm team in San Jose and they're, they have a pretty high attendance. So if you commit to a rebuild, I don't really think you're going to be hurting that much because it means that the Barracudas have high-end talent playing in San Jose for most of it, either with the Sharks or with the Barracudas. And I'm pretty sure San Jose owns them, so you're still making money off of it. So I don't know if California would would really hurt San Jose to go through a full rebuild, especially the fact that the other two California teams seem – against going through a full rebuild and just continue to do that patchwork. Yeah. I mean, like to answer your earlier question, I think it would be beneficial to go into a full rebuild. And like I said before, the time to do it is now. I mean, you still, you can still get rid of Eric Carlson and get some assets back. You can still move, let's say two, three of your main pieces. Let's say a a Kevin LeBanc, uh, maybe a hurdle, maybe even a Timo Meyer, maybe even a younger guy like that, and you get some first-round draft picks, get some high-end prospects, that's how you do it. You don't wait two, three years after you've lost some of those assets or some of those assets are now older and worth less, and you go into a rebuild, and you don't have those assets to play around with, and it's going to take even longer. I mean, that's how it drags out 
to be a five, six, seven, eight year rebuild. And, and you, you don't want that. And I think, I honestly think in a market like San Jose, you can't do a rebuild that's over five years. So I think you got to jump on it sooner than later, but at the same time, I mean, it's going to be tough for this management group. I think we're holding on, uh, you know, to the Joe Thorns and, and, you know, the, the Mark Edward Vlasics and guys like that still holding on to that past uh, core group of guys without accepting the fact that, you know, we got to, we got to turn the page here pretty soon. Yeah. And I think it's showing people talk about loyalty in sports. Sometimes you can be too loyal and this is where you're finding out that, Doug Wilson has been too loyal to certain players. I don't think Vlasic is deserving of his like $7 million contract that he has. Uh, and you're seeing yeah, he, he's had an off year this year. He, for sure. He is one of our better defensemen, but I agree with you. $7 million. That is quite the price tag. And I think that's the thing. He's 33. He like Burns and Vlasic are under contract until they're almost 40. Yeah. And this is the old the old thinking of you're getting paid for what you've done, not for what you will do during the length of this contract. And unfortunately, the league has turned into a what have you what are you gonna do? What can you bring to me as a player over the length of this contract? And if you're not gonna be productive, which I highly doubt Burns is gonna be productive when he's 39. You know, getting giving eight million dollars to a thirty-nine year old, that's a lot of money to to fork out for someone who's not gonna be anywhere near the player he is right now. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. That's eight million dollars that we can't spend on, you know, another free agent. Or if one of our young guys pop off and they're demanding money, you know, that's eight million dollars less than, than we could have had, right? And and like you said, paying that money to a 38 year old guy. I don't know if that helps us at the end of the day. I mean, Brent Burns is a great player. He's still putting up points, but I don't know, long-term it's, it's a tough position to be in. It really is. Yes. um, And that's why I'm happy. Ottawa decided to, to let a lot of their players or trade a lot of their players because they realized that we have so many deep prospects that, paying you know Carlson and Duchesne until they're like 35 isn't ideal when during the course of their contract you you have a potential of having guys who need that money and you won't be able to give it to them yeah no it's it's a huge issue I mean like I said before we don't necessarily have the prospects that are going to be demanding that kind of money but you always want that flexibility and whenever it comes up you want to have that money to play with. And we just, we just don't have that right now. I mean, it, luckily for you guys over in Ottawa, at least the, the hockey seems to be pretty entertaining this year. I know they dropped off a little bit at the end, but at the start and, and middle of the season, it seemed like they were doing all right. Yeah. They even near the, like before this cancellation, we, it was still exciting hockey. If you looked at their play uh, for a lot of their guys, but at the beginning of the season to when it got canceled, it was, there is drastically different. They improved greatly. So I have no issue with like with what's been going on. And I, I've been saying that they should be in the playoffs next season. I would be very surprised. I wouldn't be very surprised if they made the playoffs because of how crappy and how 
you know, inconsistent. The only consistent thing about the, the Atlantic is that four teams are, have no idea what they're doing. And <laughs> any team outside of Tampa and Boston can finish third in the Atlantic. So, yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Like, I don't have any faith in Buffalo or Florida or Montreal to be playoff contenders or serious playoff contenders next year. And Toronto has shown nothing but inconsistent play over the last couple of years, and they're going to lose a lot of their players. So who knows what happens with them next season. And so then, much for the Shanna plan, eh? So much for the Shanna plan. Oh, yeah, that plan was crap, and it was crap when he mentioned it. The minute <laughs> the minute he went to uh, – when they signed Tavares, it, it dropped. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. There deny. There's no – Nothing was worth it when he went after Tavares. I mean, they're, they're a flashy team, right? They, they can put up goals. You know, Matthews might go out there and pot in four in a game. They're still going to let they in still five, lose. five or six every game. Yeah, exactly. Like, defense and goaltending, that's what wins championships. And if they want that, I think they're going to have to flip things around a little bit. You know, signing Tavares was great. I mean, here in San Jose, we would have loved to have Tavares because I think that would solve a lot of their issues. We don't necessarily have that top center. But, uh, yeah, for the Maple Leafs, I, I don't know what's in their future. But it's a great point you brought up about the Atlantic Division. I mean, looking at it, the Canadians, Panthers, you know, of course, the Red Wings and Sabres, I think the Senators can jump all those teams, you know, as soon as next year, honestly, or, or even the year after. Yeah, I mean – I think a lot of fans are just sitting there like, oh, as long as they're competitive and they finish outside of the bottom five, they'll be happy, which is fair. Like when you're, when you're bottom five for three straight years, anything outside of the bottom five is the, the bar The bar has been set pretty low for you guys the past few years. Let's put it that way. Oh, easily. Yeah. And I think as long as we don't finish bottom five, we'll be fine. But I think there's an there's a actual chance that – we at least compete for a wild card spot, maybe the third place in the Atlantic, depending on how our goaltending is. If Hogberg can continue his solid play that he's had this year, in like add in a couple of the Belleville players like Norris and Brown and Balsers who've missed most of the year and Willannon, we we have a legitimate chance at making some sort of noise in in the playoff picture yeah no definitely i mean it's pretty promising for you guys and especially like you mentioned if if a couple of those prospects have breakout seasons you know the sky's the limit honestly it's it's a young man's league right now 22 23 year old guys make the difference in the league and you guys have a lot of those coming up in the future so uh it's looking pretty promising. I can't really say that for the Sharks right now, but it's looking promising for your Senators, especially with that first-round pick that you got from us this year. Hey, even getting Norris and Balsers from you guys was fantastic. Yeah, no, Josh Norris, he's going to be a player. He's, he's going to be a good player for you guys uh, moving forward for sure. I love him. I think he's going to be – he's going to fight for a top-center position. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, bites us in the ass every time I look at that trade now. Oh, it's great. I you know, it. When, it, when it happened, people were saying that, uh, you know, the Sharks kind of – I don't know if they said the, the Sharks fleeced uh, oh, the Senators no. in that trade, but, uh, you know, I don't think 
I don't think the senators were necessarily or senator fans were too impressed with the return, but now looking at it, it doesn't look I, too bad. I was one of the few players at the the time of the trade that was excited about the the trade because I like Tierney. Uh, I was a fan of Demello, obviously. Him being traded to Winnipeg is whatever because he was asking for way too much money for a bottom-pairing defenseman. But Balsers and Norris were, like, the two two pieces that I was excited for. And they've turned out the early the early return has been really good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary looking at uh, the, the stat line for Josh Norris. 31 goals in 56 games for the Belleville Senators. It just... Uh, Make me shake my head here. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, for, for the Sharks, if they ever want to get rid of Eric Carlson, you know, let's say next season or, or the year after, we're not going to get the kind of return that we gave up to get him. And Not even close. And, you know, I don't know how much we've really gotten out of him at, to this point. I mean, he didn't have a terrible season. He was still putting up points. But, man, watching this guy in the defensive end, especially when him and Brent Burns are on the ice together, it's, it's terrifying whenever we're playing one of those guys are going to get undressed. And then what's next? You know, we got Martin Jones in net. I don't have too much faith in that guy either. So more than likely the puck's going to end up in the back of the net. So uh, scary times, scary times. Scary times for San Jose fans. Happy times for Senators fans. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can definitely say that. The roles have reversed finally. Yeah, yeah, they have. Who knows? We might uh, might have a bounce back next year. I'll, I'll try and keep it a little bit positive. But, hey, uh, hey you never know. It could just be one of those just one bad year. No, exactly. I mean, honestly, since the start of the year, things just seemed off for this team. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was losing Pavelski or – I mean, I can't really put my finger on it, but since the start of the season, things have been off. The young guys that we expected to step it up didn't step up, and that's why, like I mentioned before – we started signed Patrick Marlowe. We went on a pretty good streak at the end of uh, October, early November. But other than that, it's uh, it's been some pretty poor play from the Sharks. I, I really hope they can bounce back next year because I don't think Doug Wilson's going to rush into a rebuild. So at least we can have a bounce back year and maybe have a chance of making the playoffs next year. To be honest, I don't think Doug Wilson's a pl- like the person in charge you want to lead a rebuild. No, he might not be. I mean, he has he doesn't necessarily have experience going through a rebuild, right? He's had a pretty good roster around him uh, for his tenure of the San Jose Sharks. All he's really had to do is make a few trades here and there, you know, sign a couple McCulloch of for Heatley. What's that? McCulloch for Heatley. Yeah, yeah. Well, we won't bring up uh, Danny Heatley, the fucking all star, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's all that I mean, I'm not to say that's all he's had to do because I mean, he's done a great job so far. But like you said, I don't know if he's the guy that you want going through a rebuild. He might be. I mean, he doesn't have experience doing it, but who knows what he can do. It's just a matter of pulling the trigger, right? And that's it's such a tough trigger to pull, especially for this team. We've had so much success in the past, you know, decade, two decades that going into a full rebuild. I mean, that's that's a big decision. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, he's had good luck at drafting, you know. A lot of the guys on your team have been drafted by, like, by him for for the most part. You know, Couture and Meyer being those two big names that stand out. So he's had good amount of luck, and, you know, that's the positive side, is that if he did go through this rebuild – 
his drafting has has been somewhat successful. No, it has been. And I mean, those players you mentioned, I mean, they're great players. I think they're more complimentary pieces. Um, and when I say that, they're more second-line guys. And the reason why it worked was you still had guys like Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe that were putting up near a point of game. And those guys would kind of fill out the roster. Now we're seeing this team depend on those guys to be the number one or, or the top line players. And I don't know if they're at that status. I mean, Logan Couture, he's a great center, but I don't think he's a top center, you know, and if you don't have a top center in this league, you're going to struggle moving forward. Yes, that's for sure. But I think that will be all for today. I think it was great to have you on. I think that'll be all for today's episode. Uh, thank you for, for joining me. Uh, finally. I know it's been kind of chaotic over the last couple of months for the network. And uh, no, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. We've just been hiding. I just, I couldn't take the ripping on uh, you guys having our first round pick. So I've been in hiding, but I had to come out of the woodworks eventually. <laughs> yeah. Especially since that first episode that we did, you were so all high and mighty that, you know, it was going to be your year and that there, you know, Ottawa was going to get beat up pretty bad by San Jose and, you know, what? Last next time we talked, San Jose would be leading the Pacific. And, yeah, I remember that. Did, did we say that? Did we actually say that? Now I'm starting to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We can go back and check. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily. I'm going to go back yeah. and check. And maybe if it is, I'm going to insert it into the episode. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, yeah, it's been a pretty consistent uh, downhill roll since we had that conversation um but yeah man it was a pleasure coming on the podcast hope you're doing well with this whole coronavirus thing um yeah, same as you i know you're still working so hopefully you're staying safe yeah for sure i mean we were talking before jumping on uh, on the podcast it's kind of a blessing and a curse to be at work right now i mean things have been crazy but at least you know i'm not cooped up inside i don't know what i would do you know being stuck in my stuck in my house for four or five weeks it's a tough one. At least we can podcast, right? I mean, some people don't even have this escape. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, for the listeners, I've been inside for three weeks and I reorganized my desk five times. Have you got the perfect combination yet or is still more to come? I think there's still, I have three screens on my desk, four screens on my desk right now. Whew. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I might just need a bigger desk. Where are you doing? Where are you a, a trader or something? You do it. You in the stock markets with all those screens going? So I have my laptop, which I use to record because it's easy to. It's just the easiest thing to use. It's portable and whatever. And then I have my two desktops, screens, and then I have my small little TV that I use for gaming because it's just easier than using like one of my desktops. So yeah, I have like I can watch TV play games, and work on something all at the same time. You're an absolute animal, Shane. <laughs> absolute animal. I love it. So, I, and I've swapped everything around. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a busy couple of weeks. I've been trying to keep myself busy, but I'm excited to get back to work. Yeah, I mean, all you can do is try and keep busy, right? Uh, but yeah, once again, thanks for bringing me on the podcast, buddy. Uh, we should catch up again sometime in the off season. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll have draft. more bullshit about. Yeah, I don't know if we we'll want to talk around the draft. That might be a sensitive topic for us over here. <laughs> Perfect time to have you on. Yeah, no, it might be. It might be actually. Yeah, at least we have a first round pick now. You know, I, I don't feel too bad at least being in that first round. I know it's going to be a later pick coming from uh, 
Tampa Bay, but hey, we, we have a name on the board at least. Hey, it might not be that late. They could get bounced in the first round. You yeah, never well, know hey, with that team. Yeah, we, they might get swept in the first round. You never know. As long as uh, it's not by Toronto, I'm okay with it. If they play Toronto, I want them to win. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I think all Canadians can kind of come together and hope for a Toronto loss. So that's one thing that really Always. unites this country. Oh, 100%. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's exactly what unites this country. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Where can people find you real quick? All right. So uh, you can find the Stick Hungry Podcast at Stick Hungry Pod on Twitter. Uh, we just added a new co-host, actually, former San Jose Shark and Boston Bruin, Kyle McLaren. Uh, and you can find my personal Twitter page at D-Y-L underscore T-H-P-N. Sweet. Well, there you guys have it. Give him a check. Give him a follow. Thank you for coming on. We'll chat later. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you, Dylan, for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. That will be all for today's episode. Again, guys, uh, check me out on Sends Overtaking 92, as well as Shane underscore Ryan 97. Uh, And if you haven't had a chance, check out the latest episode from Ice Analytics Uh, I'm on as a co-host talking about the loser point, uh, possibly going to, or the advantages of going to a a win percentage system instead of the point percentage system. So check it out. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys all stay safe. I will talk to you guys next Monday.